Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. All right, do me a favor. Go to verse 11. I'm going to read a, a good chunk of scripture, but I'm, I'm not going to read slow. I'm going to read fast, and I ask that you would listen fast. Verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, father give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided, divided his property between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property, underline this phrase, in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him in the fields to feed the pigs. It says, and he was longing to be fed with the pods of the pigs that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against you and I sinned against heaven before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as a hired servant. Underline that phrase that becomes important. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father said to the servant, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him put a ring on his hand and put shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us celebrate for this. My son was dead and is now alive. He was lost and he is now found. And they begin to celebrate. Now his older brother, the older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. First of all, for just pause for a second. If you're in the field and you're far off and you hear music and you hear dancing, can we agree this party's legit? It says here, verse 26, and he called one of the servants and he asked them what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. You would think he's excited about his brother coming home. Verse 28, but he was angry. And he refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. That's important. But he answered his father, look, these many years that I've served you and I never disobeyed you, your command, yet you never gave me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, you hear the toot he got that right there? When this son of yours has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting that we celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I want to preach today from the topic entitled a father's invitation. I actually wish I got to the tech team early enough because I, I, I wish that I had named this, the sermon a father's gracious invitation. Let's look to the Lord before we uh, before we dig in. Uh, Father, we will not presume to understand your word without your Holy Spirit. I literally can't preach without you. We cannot hear without you. So, Father, would you 
throw your weight around in this room. Speak to us. So I thank you for the fathers that are in the room. But we, we are grateful that today we get to see the characteristics of the Holy Father, the, the one true Father. So, Father, as we dig into this text, I pray that you would transform our thinking, transform our mind, transform our behavior, and ultimately transform our lives. Lord, if I don't preach about Jesus, shut me up today. I have no business opening this Bible if we don't hear about Jesus. So point our hearts to the King today. It's in Jesus' name we give glory. Amen. A father's, act like it says, gracious invitation. Um, this past May, I, I, it just dawned on me. I didn't even celebrate or anything. It just, it just hit me. This past May, I celebrated nine years of being in full-time ministry. And thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Seven years here as the pastor of Epiphany uh, Church here in Brooklyn, but I did two years. I did a two-year residency where I was in full-time ministry, kind of getting trained to be sent out uh, when I was down living in Philadelphia. And one of the things that I've noticed as a pastor, and honestly has become glaringly clear, as I pastor people, I realize there are so many people, especially those that want to give their life to the Lord or those that just gave their life to the Lord. It is so... um, I don't know, clear to me that people often have a misconception of the type of people that God chooses to pursue. We often think that God only pursues the people that have it all together. We often think that God only pursues the people that looked apart. We, we think that God only pursues people that have the Christian lingo. And here's how I know I'm right, because most of us in this room got that one trifling uncle that we like, God can't ever save him. Y'all know we got that one cousin. We be like, she too ghetto. God cannot save her. But underneath what we're doing is we're saying, in order to come to God, you have to come to him squeaky clean. I have literally heard people say to me, I will come to the Lord once I got my life together. I'd be like, well, you'll never come to the Lord then. Because what God doesn't do is God doesn't um, accept people that seemingly have it all together. God accepts the broken. He accepts the person that made the wrong decision. He accepts the person that is living in a life of sin. Throughout my time of pastoring, time and time again, I realized that there's really two schools of people. There's the person that feels unloved. It's no way I'm unworthy of God's love. Therefore, I can't come to him. And then people swing the pendulum all the way the other way. And what they say is, God should choose me. Why? Because I'm entitled. I came to church. I I took communion. I give tithes. Like, I give my money, I give my time, God should pursue me. And I, w- I want to say it this way, in the text today, Jesus dismantles both sides. He looks at the one that says, oh, oh, you think you're unloved? Watch what the Father will do, because the Father in the text actually represents God. That's why Jesus told the parable. And the two sons represent these two pendulum swings. One son feels unworthy, and Jesus is like, oh, no, no, you're, you're not unworthy, I see you in the field and I come after you. And then the other one, you feel entitled because you stayed. Guess what? I got to dismantle your righteousness as well. The party's for you too. And so what he does in the text is so huge. I want to introduce you to three characters. And I wish I could introduce you by name, but we don't know their names. The only thing we know is that there's an older son, there's a younger son, and then there's the father. And all three of these represent the people that are listening, and they represent the God of the universe. Let, let me first talk about the younger son. I'll make this really quick. Uh, the younger son is clearly, he didn't want a relationship with the father. He simply wanted his material possessions. 
He simply wanted his stuff. But then the older brother in the text, he has entitlement issues. It is almost as though he was serving, holding it in his back pocket so that one day he could pull it out in front of the father's face and say, see what I did? Look at the list. And I know y'all sitting here, y'all just think, oh, man, that's, that's messed up. That's what he would do. But many of us do that with God all the time. Y'all know we do it. We do it in our hearts. We may not verbalize it, but in our hearts, we're like, God, I know you owe me. I shouldn't be going through this because I know you saw I got up last night and prayed. Got up in the middle of the night and I spent time on my word. This is the week I actually committed to discipleship. God, you owe me. And at the end of the day, entitlement needs to come down. At the end of the day, low self-esteem, believing that Jesus uh, doesn't want you, needs to come up. And so that's in the text. But what strikes me the most in the text is not the dysfunctional behavior of the brothers. It's the father's willingness to pursue the brothers despite their foolishness. It messes your boy up. When I read this, I'm, I'm, I'm going, God, like, these are the type of people you pursue. These are the type of people that you go after. Let's first look at the younger son. What we're going to do is the younger son and then the older son. I'm going to let you get out of here to your Juneteenth celebration. Verse number 11, look at the younger son. It says, and the younger said to them, said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them. Now, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey to a far country. And there he squandered it on reckless living. And he spent everything and a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and, um, he went, uh, and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him in the field to feed the pigs. And as he, uh, as he was longing to be fed with the pods, of the pig that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything and when he came to himself he said how many of my father's servants uh hired servants have more than enough bread but i perish here a hunger stop there for a second just context wise notice what's going on jesus says that there's a there's a younger brother and he goes to the father and he says look I don't want relationship anymore. You got to understand him asking for inheritance is him saying, I know you, I'm going to treat you like you're dead because you're only supposed to get inheritance once the father dies. But the father's alive. So he's like, I just want your stuff. I want no relationship with you. I, I, I don't, I don't want to be in this father's son thing. Give me my money, the stuff that's coming to me, and I'm going to go away. And then the Bible says that he goes to a far country. And when he gets to the far country, he squanders all of the money. The Bible says in verse 13 on reckless living. We got some work to do. Because if you just read reckless living, we really don't understand what he spent the money on. He, he, he wasn't in these parable streets just drinking, cussing with hoochie daddy shorts on. <laughs> Not, that's, that, that's not the reckless living here. Verse 30 defines what the reckless living is. Verse 30 says he spent the money on, come on, Bible readers, he spent the money on prostitutes. I have no clue if he was walking uh, down Amsterdam streets and going to the red light district. I have no clue if he was going corner to corner. I really don't know what it is that he was doing, but here's what I know. Not only was he spending the money on prostitutes, the Bible says he spent everything. Do you know how many prostitutes he must have had? Satisfying his own sexual pleasures at the expense of somebody's daughter. And so the Bible says that Jesus said, man, the younger son, he out here, he bugging. He spent all the money. He, he took his father's money and he got so broken, a famine hit that he had to hire himself out. He gets hired out and he's now feeding the pigs. And there was a moment he was so hungry that he looked at the pig's food 
and said, I'm going to long for that. I want that. And that was the moment that he woke up and said, you know what? I'm going to go back to my father's house. And the Bible says that before he starts going to his father's house, he begins to rehearse what he's going to say to the father. Don't act like y'all ever did that before. You ever stayed out late when you was younger and you was going home? He was like, okay, this is what I'm going to say. You had your crew. You was like, yo, don't mess this up. You say this. That's what he's doing. So he says in verse number 18, here's his rehearsal of his repentance. He says, I will arise and I'll go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against uh, heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I told you to underline this. Treat me as your hired servant. In other words, don't restore me back to sonship. I would be satisfied to be your servant. Why? Because being your hired servant is better than feeding these pigs. And so he, now he, he has the repentance all wrapped in his mind. He's, done rehe- he's rehearsed it, and he starts out on the journey. Now, you think he, when he gets to the journey, he's going he's gonna to pop that speech right out. Watch verse 20. The Bible says that he arose. And he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran, embraced him, kissed him, and said to him, and then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against, here's the speech, I've sinned against heaven, and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, quickly, get the best robe, put it on him, get a ring and put it on his hand. Get some Jordans, put them on his feet. Bring the fatted calf, kill it. Let's eat. Two times he says, let's celebrate. He says, we're going to celebrate. So peep what happened. The Bible says that the younger son is rehearsing. He finally gets back. And when he's a far way off, the father runs to him. The first thing the father does is embrace him. The next thing he does is kiss him. The next thing he does is he says, servants, Bring the, bring the shoes, bring the, bring the ring, bring the robe, go get the fatted calf, let's kill it because this, your, uh, this my son that was dead is now alive. Now watch this, all of this embracing is happening and the younger son says, I still got to say the speech. I, I still have to give my repentance. He starts repenting and the father stops him. Oh man, look at what it says here. Watch what the father does. It says, it says he ran and he kissed him and embraced him. And, he, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And then the father stops him. What happened to the treat me as a, a hired servant? What happened was the father, see, repentance. What, what happens with us is we think that God will only respond to us through repentance. And don't hear me say don't repent. That's not what I'm saying. But notice the repentance isn't what initiated the grace of God. The grace of God initiates repentance. Do, do y'all see the difference there? And to get those mixed up is to preach an entirely different gospel. If you get those mixed up, look, I'm telling you, it is no longer grace. Grace says, I know you messed up. Grace says, I know you spent all the money. Grace says, I know you put, you put it on them prostitutes. But guess what? I got more grace than you got sin. Can somebody write that down? Because that preached to my soul this morning. God always has more grace than you got sin. And many of you in this room, you think you can out sin the cross. Boo-boo, you can't out sin the cross. The cross is powerful. The, the, the one drop of God's blood erased all of my sins, every mistake. And I feel somebody in this room. We're talking about freedom. I feel somebody in this room getting free. And guess what? You're still in the field, and God is running and pursuing you. He's pursuing you. 
He's pursuing you. Sis, he's pursuing you. And how do I know he's pursuing you? Because the father says, this father represents God. This older, the older, younger brother represents somebody in this room. And the father is coming after you. Some of you in this room going, I don't know why I keep coming back to this church. I come week after week. I don't get it. I, I really don't. I'm, I'm, I really don't go to church like that. You know, I was talking to one dude. He was walking by. He heard the music, came inside and sat down, got him a little swag bag after church. You know, we try to give out something all the time. Got him a little swag bag. Why, why am I here? You know why you're here? Because God is pursuing you. God always comes after us. And some of you in this room, I know, how you, I know what you're thinking. God ain't come after me. I actually gave my life to the Lord. But before you got up, and you said, excuse me, seven times and came down to the altar. Can I, can, I, can I push this to you that God pursued you while you still was in your seat? And his grace is what hit you that gave you the ability to pursue him. I hope somebody hears me in this room. The father has more grace than the son has sin. Can I put Bible here? Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Here's what Paul says. Where sin increase, grace abounds all the more. This is why I say you can't out sin the cross. And if you're in here going, Pastor B just gave me a license to sin. He said grace is always there. I would say you're not a believer thinking like that. Because when I am met with grace, I'm so overwhelmed, I fall to my knees at the feet of Jesus Christ that he would pursue me despite my mistakes. Somebody came in this room right now and you, you've been all messed up and you've had a chaotic season and it wasn't even the pandemic that messed you up. It's just a cycle of sin. Guess what? You're in the field and the father's coming after you today. He's coming after you. Why is he coming after you? Because he wants you. Because he loves you. I know the story here is, is the prodigal son, but I think we should replace that and put the prodigal you. The prodigal me. Many of us in this room have messed up. And I'm not talking messed up before I got saved, I'm talking about messed up after I got saved. Some of y'all messed up last night. Oh, y'all acting spiritual this morning? Y'all know y'all only came to church. You're like, God, I know I messed up. I'm here to repent. God is pursuing you today. It is not by accident that you were here. So the, the, the father, he sees him. He gets up on him. He embraces him and hugs him. And the son immediately is like, Father, I've sinned against you. I got to get my speech out. I sinned against you. And, and the father's like, shut, sh- shut up, boy. Shut up. Go get the stuff. And let me restore him. By the way, he asked to be restored as a servant. And the father never restores him as a servant. He puts him back as a son. And, and this is why I say some of y'all are like, oh, God just going to tolerate me. He doesn't want to tolerate you. He wants to restore you back to sonship. He, he wants to restore you back to being a daughter. So his grace is, is sufficient. It's enough. Can we just, for one second, I know we got, can we for one second just like lift up a praise for grace? Because your boy would be dead without it. I'd be in my grave without it. And let me mess you up. You would too. The only reason you are here this morning is sheer grace. Somebody say grace. grace. Uh, man, it's so, and this is why we sing songs like Amazing Grace. Because it is amazing. Because he sees me in the field and he pursues me and he comes after me. Write this down. Jesus' love and affection is not because of repentance. It's actually the action that initiates the repentance. Write that down. Let me say that again. Jesus' love and affection is not because of repentance. It's actually the action that initiates repentance. If you're in this room and you were able to repent, it's because God already opened up your heart. The conviction you felt was God pursuing you. 
And somebody in this room feels far from the Lord. Can I promise you, if you feel far from the Lord, that's grace. Because if you really were far, you would feel nothing. You know that, right? You, you'd feel nothing. It, it's reprobate mind. It's, it's God, is, God has let you go. And that's the thing about God. If God was to knock you down, he don't got to punch you. He can just let you go. But God doesn't let us go. What God does is God moves on your heart in a way that you feel convicted and you begin to repent. But your repentance didn't didn't make him love you more. His love for you made you repent. I, I know I'm beating this drum, but it's so, so, it's so important. Let me put a little bit more Bible here and then I'm going to move on to the, to the older brother. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God shows his love for us while we were yet Y'all know y'all word. While we were still sinners, while you still was trifling, while you still was out there, while you still was in that relationship, although you know you weren't supposed to be in it, while you still were in the act of the sin, God pursues you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, he didn't wait for this future TikTok you. He didn't wait for this. this you know how we use a bunch of filters? He didn't wait to, for the filtered you. He didn't wait for the the you that we see on Instagram. He wants the you that nobody sees. He wants the you, that that sin that you did that nobody know about, he wants that you. And what he does is God doesn't go after perfect people. He goes after people and he presents a perfect savior and that's what makes them perfect. This is the gospel. All right, I'm going to move on. So we, we have the younger brother. The younger brother's out there. He was out there with the prostitutes. He was out there spending all that money. And he, he finally gets to the point where, where, where he's ready to come home. He comes back, not to be restored as a son, but he comes back to be restored as a hired servant. The father sees him and says, nah, bro, you, you, you my son. Come on in here. And he throws a party. Now, the older brother hears the party. Watch what the older brother does. Y'all still rocking with me? Yeah. Verse 25. Now, the older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing and he called and he called one of the servants and asked what are these things meant and he said to him your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he received him back safe and sound but he was angry and he refused to go in and his father came out and entreated him but his father, but, but he answered his father, look at these many years that I've served you and I've never disobeyed you, your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And when this son of yours has came who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting that I celebrate and be glad. For your brother who was dead is now alive. He who was lost is now found. You, you would think that the father would immediately rebuke him. You would think that the father is like, yo, the party is happening. And I'm outside with you. By the way, notice here in verse number, tw- in verse number 28, it says he was angry and the father came out. Don't miss that. I told you to underline it. Why? Because once again, the father pursues. But this time, he's not pursuing the sinner that was out there wilding. This time, he's pursuing the religious fool that stayed close. See, when we first started the church, and Ty will will tell you this, we used to pray like, God, send a prodigal son. Send a prodigal son, Lord, send a prodigal son. And you know what God started doing? Sending the older brother. 
Some of y'all in this room got a religious background and you feel entitled and you feel like you should never go through. You should always have seasons that are sunny days and you feel like God should never, ever make you go through anything. And so in your mind, you're going, God, I served you. I stayed. I, I stayed at your command and here you are letting me down. But guess what? The party's for you, too. And many of us, some of you need to repent of sin. Yes. Some of you need to repent of self-righteousness. I know that was me for a long time. When God saved me, that was you too, Jair. Man, when God saved me, I'm telling you, mine wasn't, mine wasn't that I lived a, a miserable life of sin, Ryan. Mine actually was that I was overchurched. Anybody got that background? It was just overchurched. I, I was at church Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. We had prayer meeting. We had, you know, I was always at church. And I thought that my relationship with God was church. But let me tell you something. If you hear and you think that you did, you checked your box and I did my Jesus thing and we good, he wants to pursue you today. Because he's not just, you're frowning down at the sinner when we just as messed up. And we need pursuit. But guess what? The father says, I came out after him. And when I came out after him, I said, yo, the, the party's not just for your younger brother. The, you, you're invited into the party as well. Ah, I forgot to tell you all this. I should have told you this in the beginning of the sermon. Who's in the crowd is important. Who Jesus is telling this parable to is important. Verse 1 tells me who's in the crowd. Real quick, jump back to verse 1. I know I'm all over the place. I'll, I'll do better next week, I promise. Verse 1, now the tax collector and sinners were all drawing near to him. Can we agree? Tax collectors and sinners are there. And then it says, Verse 2, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumble that this man receives sinners. So what Jesus does is Jesus begins to give parables, and he hooks both of them. And the first parable, don't miss this, the first parable he gives is the lost sheep. He says, man, a man got 100 sheep. He loses one. He leaves the 99 in the open field, and he goes after the one. You know who's rejoicing? The sinners. You know who's disgruntled? The, the religious people. But then he goes on to the lost coin. The Bible says that this woman has 10 coin. She loses one, so she still got nine, so she ain't broke. But guess what she does? That one coin is so valuable that she rips the house apart. She sweeps the house to find one coin. You know who's rejoicing at that? The sinners. You know who's disgruntled? The religious people. He then goes into the prodigal son, and he talks about the son that's, that goes off and squanders, and, and then the father comes out after him. You know who's rejoicing? the sinners. You know who's disgruntled? The Pharisees and the, and the scribes. And then he finally gets to the older brother. He's like, I, Jesus is like, I know y'all thought I was beating y'all up, but guess what? The party's for you too. The older brother, this is for you. The one that, that stayed, that they rep, right now, the older brother represents the Pharisees and the scribes. And I will say here we are in 2022 represents most of us religious fools in the room that look down on others. If a prostitute came in right now and sat right there by Pastor Timmy, we'd be like, oh my God. We, we would be worried. We'd be worried. If somebody came in right now, do people still drink 40s? Do they? Malt liquor is disgusting. Do they still drink that? If somebody came in right now, which we actually had happened to our church back when we was at the, at the, the Voodoo Lounge. If somebody came in right now with a 40 and a brown bag, because that, that brown bag makes it, you know, it's like mystical. If somebody came in right now, what would y'all do? Think about it. 
We would be like, what is, what is going on? What kind of church is it? I knew they was young and radical and jumping around. And he, you know, one got all chains on his neck. And they all, what is this? But my question is, if God threw a party, who would he have there? The prostitute. Who would he have here? So in other words, he would have the one that speaks in tongues and the one that has drug addictions. Hello. He, 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 he would have the one that has a tambourine and he would have the one that's living a life full of sin. Why? Because the party ain't just for you religious ones. It's for the sinner. But it is for you too. Okay, I, I got to move on here. My preaching professor would frown at me for what I'm about to do. I need to go back to the top again. I feel like I'm preaching this backwards. That's why I said I'm going to do better next week. Go back to verse 12. Because this morning, when, when, I, when I came upstairs and I told Ty, look, yo, God spoke to me. I don't often say that, but I, I felt like I heard the Lord. I missed something in verse 12 that I never have seen before. Now, maybe y'all are more religious than me and y'all saw this. Just act like you didn't. In verse 12, when I read it in the English language, which I've always done, I miss it. This is why it's important to actually know the languages of the Bible. The New Testament was written in a language called Greek. In Greek, two of those words read completely different. So let me read it to you. Verse number 12, it says, The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of, watch this word, property that is coming to me. So the son asked for property. Watch what the father gives him. And he divided his property between them. Now, when I read this in the English, I see property, property. But if you read this in the Greek, it is not property, property. The son asked for usea in Greek. Usea is inheritance. It's a state. It's material possessions. But what the father gives him is not usea. The word switches in verse 12. It switches to bios. The word bios is where we get our word biology. In other words, that is where we get the idea of life. Don't miss this. So the son asked for property, Usea. God gave him his life, Bios. Did, did y'all hear me in here? Let, let me say that again. The son asked for material possessions, Usea. The father gave him, Bios, his life. Let me, let me explain something to you about the gospel. In Jesus Christ, God was more generous than you've ever seen him be before. That he emptied heaven and gave his one and his only son. You asked for material stuff. He said, baby, you don't need that. You need bios. You need my life. You need what I got. You need my blood. And somebody in this room is trying to figure out how can I be accepted by God by believing in bios, the blood of Jesus Christ. I need somebody to lift up a praise for the cross of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's the blood that cleanses us. You asked for Usaiah. He said, you don't need that. You asked for a new man. You don't need that. You asked for a promotion. You don't need that. Baby, you need bios. You, you need my life. The son asked for property. The Bible says the father gave him his life. Somebody in this room is still in the field. You're in the field and you're rehearsing, trying to figure out how you're going to get back in that relationship with the Lord. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure it out. Stop toiling. He's pursuing you. You, you, don't, you don't have to have it all together. 
He left his house. He's come and he wants to embrace you today. He wants to kiss you today. He wants to hug you today. He wants to get the fatted calf and the robe and the Jordans and put it on you today. But also the religious one, the one that's been here, the one that served through the whole pandemic. You, that, that one, he actually doesn't want just service. He wants your heart. And so today the altar call is for two people, two different types of people. It's for the sinner that knows you just want to re be restored. You want to be renewed. But it is also for the religious one that you think that you're going to be accepted based on behavior and works. Jesus, like, forsake that. The only way to heaven is not your work. It's bios. It's my life. If that's you, if you do me a favor, you come down to the altar. Worship team, can y'all come on up? You come down to the altar. In fact, worship team, y'all can just jump right into the song. Let's jump right into it and sing. I, I know, I know that I'm preaching to somebody today. And y'all be coming up to me after church going, Pastor, that was just for me. I don't know you. Like, I don't know your life. But God knows you, and he's pursuing you today. Who is that? That's, that, that, that's me. I'm going to get that relationship back with the Lord. I'm going to get that right. Thank you for coming. Come on down. Thank you for coming, my sis. Thank you for your boldness, my brother. Y'all stand on up here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Y'all come on down here. It's more, y'all. It's more. I'm telling you. I know it. Listen, I was up at 530 this morning. I already, I know it. It's more, y'all. Come on down here. Come on down here. Come on down. Here. Let's sing a little bit. You can still come as they're singing. Just come on. Let's be family. Come on. Let's sing a little bit, y'all. Are you hurting and broken within? Yes, Lord. Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the way? Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. He's pursuing. He's pursuing. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Come on down to this altar. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Born with the precious blood. Precious blood. Come on, can y'all stand up? Let's Jesus sing this together. Christ. Oh, come come to on, let me hear you. The altar. The altar. I see you, Mama D. Arms are open wide. Come on, forgiveness. There's forgiveness on this altar. I don't care what you did. It's forgiveness at this altar. Go, go back to the beginning for me one more time. Back to the beginning. Come on, everybody, let's lift our hands. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Yes, sir. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows, bring your sorrows and drain them. Join the ashes. Say, oh, come to the altar. Yes, Father's arms are open. Come on, let's lift our hands in this room before we get out of here. It's bought with. 
Thank you for pursuing. You pursue us. And you pursue us because you love us. And so everybody that's on this altar represents a story. They represent a situation. They represent a decision. And Father, at the end of the day, you always got more grace than we got sin. And so we come to you now, oh God, trusting, oh God, that you will wash us clean trusting that you will restore us and not restore us back to servanthood but restore us back to family sons and daughters are on this altar and so father i thank you i see mothers on this altar as well as sons on this altar right now and father i just lord i pray on behalf of everybody that's here from the babies all the way to the elderly i pray oh god that you would Send them back with a renewed sense of purpose. Restore their minds. Help us to be faithful after you and live after you and tell others about you. Help us to submit ourselves, oh God, to discipleship and community and the one another's. Father, do your thing on this altar because I believe, oh God, that if they're going to be restored, they are only going to be restored if you do it. They're only going to be restored if you do it. These brothers are only going to be restored if you do it. These sisters will only be restored if you do it. And so, Father, I thank you. And we believe by faith that their latter half of the year will be greater than the former. Because you pursue us not with law, not with a belt, not, not ready to fight. You pursue us with grace. You pursue us with mercy. So, Father, we just thank you. Oh, God, and as they go back to their seat, oh, God, I pray, oh, God, do something special. Do something crazy in their life and help them to realize that it's you. And may they give you the credit. May they give you the honor for this moment, whether it's coming up here because they got sin or because they got too much religion. Either one of them we repent of today. It's in Jesus' mighty name we give glory and honor. Amen.